0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Chicago Cubs beat Max Scherzer last night. Albert Almora with a 441-foot home run against Scherzer. And then Bryant... Later on, has three homers in three straight innings against three different pitchers. Schwarber with a homer mixed in there. So you'd finish with Scherzer. You get Steven Strasburg today. This evening, Strasburg and John Lester right. is your game. That should be great.
2: Well, Washington uh, and, and our friend Dave Martinez are are in deep trouble.
1: Well, that bullpen has a 6.82 team ERA. It, it's the worst in baseball it, by it almost does. a full you run.
2: Can't, you can't blame that on Dave Martinez. But eventually he will be blamed for whatever failings the Washington roster has uh, been putting out because of the fact that they had a bad year last year uh, with Davey. Uh, They have a a high payroll. They have uh, the belief that they have one of the better teams in the National League, and it's just not working out right now. So I'm hoping our buddy doesn't get fired over it, but that is the usual way these things progress if they don't work out.
1: Yeah, uh, it's he finally gets his chance. And uh, it's a team that lets Bryce Harper go. But here's Victor Robles and Juan Soto. To, yeah. they, they got enough offense. I I think. Yeah, I
2: don't I don't think it's a Harper thing at all. There's just a, a disconnect. As you said, the, the bullpen isn't getting it done. Awful. Uh, the defense has its lapses uh, quite a bit. And you're in the National League where you're playing very good teams almost every night. There's there's not any laughers in the uh, National League as they are in the American League where it's more competitive in a different way because teams are not that good, yeah, it's
1: interesting. in the National League, very few teams are not actually going for right. it. And even some of the bad teams, like the Reds made a bunch of improvements and uh, do some things pretty well,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the White Sox and you say, you know they you know, they're three games under five hundred. they've been inching toward five hundred. And uh, you, you make the case how they fight hard. Uh, they win they win more games than any team in baseball in the late innings. And that's to the credit of Ricky Renteria, the staff, and the group that they have together. That said, uh, they're equal to about 10, 10 or 12 other teams in the American League, maybe 15. Uh, the fact that there's only six or seven good ball clubs uh, that are above – Uh, just average in the American League right now. So they can compete in their division every single game, and I throw Cleveland into that mix. Minnesota will uh, determine if they continue to be the the class of that division and whether they're going to separate themselves continually from the rest of those teams. But my point is, Matt, is the White Sox can play with the American League, but that doesn't necessarily mean – that they're improving to the satisfaction of Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf on a daily, weekly, and monthly factor. They so, could
1: they could play with uh, some of the American League except uh, the West and probably the East. <laughs> you know, so it's one third of the American I League. Mean, no the Astros have won nine in a row. They have the biggest what, what's, divisional what's lead in so baseball. So good in the
2: West after the Astros.
1: Well, they're, they're there.
2: Yeah, That's the it. Astros I are mean, there. I, those other teams are all in the mediocre mode.
1: It, it's amazing that the Yankees, by the way, have had like double-digit players on the injured list, and yet they've gone 22-8 and eight in their last 30, and well, just last night became the first-place team. You've
2: proven my point, too, and that is uh, that even with all these call-ups and guys that you never heard of coming in to help their team, they're still competitive because... The league is below average.
1: You're not a longtime Gio Ursula fan? Who He's done a great winner. job.
2: He's done a fantastic job. He's won games for him. But my point yep. is is that there's six teams in the American League that you would call quality teams, and the rest are very average.
1: 670, the score is where you are. Um, big news this week when we found out why Ben Zobrist has been on a personal leave. And a lot of, a lot of details came out because of the legal filings. And um, it's an opportunity when you're talking about this stuff um, to talk about it as as some of us have been through it, um, as some of us have an understanding. Like, you, you, we get to choose what level of, like, empathy and humanity and understanding and sensitivity with which to discuss it. Some people can sensationalize and want to talk about the garish details. I, I find myself very interested in what it means for Ben Zobrist as a man, probably home taking care of his kids now, and you got to figure out what to do with your life and your baseball career in what was already the final year of your contract. And he wasn't hitting well. I think now we know why, uh, very possibly, what's been on his mind. But but what does your gut tell you, Bruce Levine, about whether Ben Zobrist will be back? Well, I'm year?
2: hoping he's able to come back and figure it out for himself and his family. I'm, I, I have my doubts that he's going to be able to, to do that. Because uh, I think he puts his family and his children, in this case, before his career. And fortunately, uh, the the great work that he's done in his career and in his life have afforded him uh, the economic relief to be able to make a decision to possibly uh, leave $8.6 million on the table and walk away from baseball for his family's sake. You know, that's you, the
1: prorated amount of salary that if he does not come left.
2: back, he That's what's left right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that side of it is also uh, what does Ben do when he's on a 12-day, twelve 10-game 12 road trip uh, to, to make him and his children and the court satisfactory with uh, the child care that they're getting? And is he feeling okay about it, even if the court says – You're good to go with this type of help. So from the empathy point of view, you have to be empathetic about those situations. And you also have to look at them from a realistic point of view of emotionally, mentally, can can he do this and still get his job done? Now, there's hundreds of thousands of millions of people out there like you, myself and you and 60% of people that ever get married <laughs> that go through a divorce that have to continue to work and you have to be able to separate your work from your family life to be able to continue on and support those people and be able to to continue to have the same lifestyle for everybody. In Ben's case, he's done the heavy lifting. So the money, although significant, Probably will not be the deciding factor mm-hmm. in him deciding to come back or not. Um, With three kids, and I think is the oldest one twelve or fourteen, yeah, something not, like I'm not that. Sure about but there's that.
1: three. I mean, imagine manage having to manage right. a household and then figure out, as you say, for long road trips right. and just the lifestyle itself. Okay. Now you have to figure out who's in charge of my kids and what am I doing, and that mm-hmm. and that's what demands that, number one attention. That's
2: one thing for Ben. Here is the other significant thing. He's holding up his team and the organization with 12 days of what What do we do with Ben Zobras? Is he coming back to help us? Uh, will he extend this to a period of time where we have to go out and get another player to replace him and his skills? Will we have his $8.6 million to throw at another player or pitcher if he doesn't return. Well, that's interesting that's because huge. if
1: the money is is as tight as it has been purported to be, and I think by now we we believe that it is, then that all of a sudden that $9 million free, right. as we talked earlier in the show about them going out to get a reliever, is, is possibly a big deal. Or
2: a leadoff man that hits from the left side that has some of the same talents that Ben has, mm-hmm. right? In other words, Joe's missing his leadoff, his primary leadoff guy, And Ben Zobris, he's used most of the time, uh, either there or five in the lineup when he's going well. He rarely ever batted less or or lower in the lineup. And um, he does that because of his uh, great skills of having wonderful, intelligent at-bats and knowing what to do in certain circumstances to be able to advance himself and his team in a position of winning. Well, he He's an ultimate winner when it comes to a player, and you can ignore a lot of his numbers because in, cer- in circumstances of game winning and proper things to do in games, Ben Zobris' IQ is as high as anybody in baseball.
1: And you love the consistently very, very good at-bats that he gives you and what that models for your whole team. Now, All of that being said, Bruce, With the number of options that they have with David Bodie and the playing time that he demands with Daniel Descalso's uh, potential to give you good at bats and, and do some good things situationally. He drove in a run with a sack fly with a big at bat in Cincinnati the other night with Addison Russell now back up here and able to play second base defensively and all of that. With with Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff hitter every once in a while, I could see them not adding a replacement for Zobrist.
2: I believe um, that they are going up and back between knowing they have to add a bullpen guy and a big one and knowing that they have to add a leadoff-type hitter that uh, they've really kind of put to the side – over the last couple of years, because of the fact that they have a lot of good on-base percentage players, mm-hmm. uh, that they didn't suffer dramatically at. I think they were in the they were third in on-base percentage from the leadoff spot last year, even right. without a Dexter Fowler.
1: Right, and that was a mix and match using sometimes <laughs> right. but uh, but Almora, I Hayward, I don't Schauber, think they're cetera. totally
2: comfortable with that, and I think without Zobris, they're less comfortable because uh, Joe doesn't have that go-to guy to lead off in certain circumstances and have those at bats that you want going down the line. So I think they are in a mode of looking for that particular type of player out there as well.
1: This would be a moment where you look down on the farm and you had hoped that Ian Happ would have gotten uh, the message that they tried to get across and improved with his contact and would be an option in that way. But so far his performance at Iowa does not indicate that he's ready to come back.
2: No, he's not. And, you know, again, does that make the the Cubs, are they vulnerable in the situation to having to trade a guy like Ian Happ in one of these deals because of the fact that they have some holes they have to fill to be a quote-unquote world championship team, which is always their goal. We already know the Cubs are a very good team. Their goal, Epstein Hoyer's goal, Tom Ricketts' goal, is to be a world championship team where many teams – uh, say, hey, we'll get into the playoffs and see what let's see what happens. The Cubs' goal is uh, much higher these days. They're the Yankees. They're the Red Sox. They don't believe in just going to the playoffs. They believe in winning the World Series. Now You are a gluttonous
1: big market behemoth smack dab in the middle of a winning window. So if they do indeed go out there to make a deal, I think we're looking at the the likely candidates that we've discussed for a few years here. Almora. Hap, maybe Schwarber? Would they dare at this point trade uh, Schwarber or Almora from the big league roster?
2: I mean, you're going to have to if you want to bring in somebody really good. They they have already proved they're willing to trade. You know, they traded Tories to the Yankees for Chapman. They traded Jimenez and Cease to the White Sox for Quintana. For Quintana. Uh, they're all about winning. You the the trade off is we're giving away really good players, but. Our goal is to win championships, and that's, as you pointed out, this is our window. This is our big time to continue to try to do that. A
1: whole bunch of these things um, just led to a confluence in my head that saw after the draft comes and the first round draft pick compensation is gone, if the Zobrist money is available, the Craig Kimbrell conversation gets a kick in the butt in a different way.
2: It does, but from all my intel, the people I've talked to over the last week or 10 days, he's still asking three years and $50 million. Okay. Hmm. So I think he can ask away. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are interested in uh, giving Kimbrell three years and and $50 million now as they weren't, you know, two, three, and four months ago.
1: This hour on the score is being brought to you by the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa, home of the Brute and the Highlands Championship Golf Course. It's GrandGenevaGolf.com. Let's talk about Vlad Guerrero Jr. and other stuff with Buck Martinez, the Blue Jays broadcaster, longtime national broadcaster, too. We'll do that next on Inside the Clubhouse. Ball is hit high and deep to center field. Goes here back. Get up, ball. Get up. Off the club and out of here.
3: A two run home run for Vladimir Guerrero. And it looked like Garcia got to it. Not sure if he hit it with his glove or just bounced
1: over the top of the fence. That is the third career home run for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Last night, deep Wait. drive to center off the glove of Leory Garcia. It
2: was a Jose Canseco moment. <laughs> but did it hit his head, though? No, it did not. It just hit him in the middle of the glove. Oh, and was- then it hit his arm on the... Uh, wall, and it bounced in for a, an assist and a home run. Can you get an assist on a homer?
1: Uh, I think that was it. Yeah, I, 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 was, I went to the game last night with uh, my nephews and my brother-in-law. Big reason why. The nephews were dying to get an up-close look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and we did last That's night.
2: Impressive in many ways as we bring in the uh, great broadcaster from the Toronto Blue Jays, He's done so many things nationally and has had such a great career, both as a player and a broadcaster. Our buddy uh, Buck Martinez joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Buck.
3: Good morning. How are you guys doing today? We're doing
2: great. Uh, you know, we we got to see a little a uh, little bit of uh, Vlad over the last two days. Uh, certainly, he's the sensation of baseball. We have one here in Eloy Jimenez, but Vlad has grabbed all the national attention for the type of player that everybody expects him to be, and he was in the minor leagues. What have you seen so far of Mr. Guerrero?
3: Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, that he is so at ease in this surrounding. You know, he's been around it his whole life because of his father and the fact that he was a Hall of Fame player and uh, Junior has been uh, around these star players. And it's really interesting, whenever we go anywhere – We went to to play the Angels, and Albert Pujols is there visiting him. Uh, We see uh, the Twins, and it's Nelson Cruz. So he's unlike any other rookie I've ever seen because he's got so many great contacts and relationships with beautiful players that he has a chance to uh, be used into the major leagues, if you will. And I think he's got a real advantage in that regard.
1: Yeah, the personal comfort level is uh, incredibly obvious for a 20-year-old kid. Watching the swing in person last night, Buck, is it exactly Vlad Sr.'s swing? It's unbelievable. The body types are very different, but my God, the violence of the swing and the willingness to be outside the zone, its it seems freakishly similar to me.
3: Yeah, he's got a great bat speed. I think the big difference is the fact that uh, his father would uh, hit anything, and jr's got a very good eye at the plate and he's much more selective and much more patient and when he first arrived a couple of weeks ago he was uh chasing everything just trying to get hits and i think now he's understanding that you can't hit balls you have to hit strikes and he's been much more patient and with that he's had a little more success so yeah you know what when you see the uh the trigger when the bat flies through the zone there's a lot of, there are a lot of similarities but He's much more selective than his father. Uh, his dad could hit anything, and I think we've seen that, and that's why he ended up in the Hall of Fame.
2: Buck Martinez joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's mad on Bruce. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year from 9 until 11, talking Chicago baseball, talking national baseball now with Buck Martinez. And, Buck, uh, when you look at the athleticism of Vlad, what do you see as far as hands, feet, uh, ability to run the bases when he's on the bases?
3: Well, I think the biggest thing, though, is everybody kind of questioned whether or not he could play in the field because he's such a big kid. I mean, he's just 20 years old, and I think his body's going to change as he gets a little bit older. And, and I think what I've seen so far, I believe he can play third base. Now, he's got good hands. His feet work very well. He's got a very strong arm. And I think that um, that's a situation where it looks like he's going to be okay to play third base, and especially if he's going to hit 40 home runs. You can live with a lot of uh, – defensive inefficiencies but but so far i've seen some pretty good plays from him and i think his awareness is very good And he's he's very very uh aware of the situations he understands uh, where we are in a game he understands who's running he knows what he's got a good inner clock and i i just think he's going to be fine defensively i think the biggest thing is that he's going to hit and uh you know what anybody that can hit they'll find a place for him to play
1: you know, in, in looking at him, it's um, I find myself thinking about, uh, you know, young Pablo Sandoval or Prince Fielder or, or guys like that. And the athleticism seems to absolutely be there as well as a, a little speed. And you just wonder at some point, will the body need to change? You expect the body to change in, in, in what ways as he continues?
3: Well, I just think that he's 20 years old, and he's not got his man strength yet, just even though he's hit some of the hardest balls we've seen hit this year. But I think he's going to get stronger. I think he's going to get quicker. I think uh, he will kind of uh, develop as he understands how you play every day in the major leagues and what kind of discipline it takes. But I think he will come to a point where, uh, you know, his body's going to trim down a bit. I think he's going to be just fine in the field. But, uh, there's no question he has a a unique knack of hitting and understanding hitting we've seen him take some pitches uh the last four or five games and pull them where he was trying to hit him to right field early on so he's already made some adjustments in the span of about three weeks so he's, uh, he's a pretty interesting guy to watch on a daily basis
2: buck you've uh played or broadcast uh... My to my uh, estimation, close to six thousand games. Oh. That that being the case, what do you make of baseball two thousand and nineteen? And Matt and I talk about this a lot on our show. What what can baseball do to make it more interesting?
3: I think you can get rid of the uh, strike zone on television. I think you can stop uh, grading the umpires. I think you can allow the umpires to call strikes, and with that, you're going to get more hitters swinging, and you're going to get pitchers pitching a little more aggressively. I think the game has become uh, very much of a stagnant game. Not much happens, and uh, I'm a little concerned about the game and where it's headed, because you sit around for so many innings and see nothing happen. The strikeouts, walks, home runs, and it's kind of a boring game, to be honest with you. But I would like to see that strike thing go away. I think there's uh, too much emphasis on shifts and everything else. Uh, You know, I was looking at... uh, Tony Gwynn's season in 94 when he hit 394 and he struck out 19 times and I think that's what's missing in the game now strikeouts have become so acceptable and I just think it's a a injustice to the fans because nobody chokes up we don't see any guys making contact there aren't any more Ralph Gars in the game and uh, there's no Tony Olivas or or Rod Carew's I just think that the, the game has suffered, and, and people will tell me, well, you know, you guys are old, you don't understand how hard it is to hit. But I'll argue that when Willie May stepped up against Don Drysdale, he knew he was going to get knocked out every single time, and he still was able to hit and throw you into the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, the game has changed dramatically. Uh, it's a great game, but I think it could improve if you made some adjustments to it. I think taking out the slide rule of second base uh, really uh, impacts the outcome of games because you can't break up a double play right. anymore. I think the play at home plate does the same thing. know, uh, those were exciting plays. When you had Don Baylor or Carlos May on first base, everybody anticipated a collision at second, and maybe that runner from third scores on a double play ball. But those things are gone now, and I think it's something that uh, the fans, uh, they're robbed of those great moments. And uh, I just think that uh, we've legislated a lot of things that's taken the interest out of the game.
1: Wow, there's a lot of stuff in there to, to react to, Buck. Um, it, interesting stuff. The, I don't think that you can go backwards technologically in terms of taking the strike zone off the TV. It, it, in fact, right now in the Atlantic League, they're going with the they're teaching the the electronic strike zone to the umpire how they're going to do it, like signal stuff to the ump, and and eventually that's that's going to be part of stuff down there and probably uh, eventually to MLB. But I, I, I do agree about the lack of activity and the lack of balls in play. And I think there is consensus about that, regardless of age, regardless of your, outco- out, uh, y- y- your outlook on the game. I think everybody wants more balls in play, and I think we will see some rules to try and bring that to, to the fore, don't you?
3: Well, I, and I think it gets back to pitching. I mean, pitching is so bad around baseball now. And, you know, two nights ago there were 10 games played, and there were 133 <laughs> runs scored, it's, uh, you know, 13 runs a game. Um, and it's just like the defense, the shifting is not working and all of that stuff. And I think the hitters have to adjust even more than they have. But, but another thing that concerns me is uh, when I came to the big leagues in 1969, the fans would come to the game to watch the teams take infield and they would come on the field and they would watch teams take infield and you could see the great ball players throw and uh, put their arms on display and you'd see the catchers throw to second. There was a lot of activity. Now, for about an hour before the game, nothing on the field happens except the ground screws watering the dirt and putting the chalk lines down. And I just think that's uh, we're, we're losing the contact with the fans that happened during the course of batting practice and infield. And I don't think even the home fans don't get to see their teams hit because the home team hits first, and by the time the gates open, they're off the field. So there are a lot of things I think that could be addressed to bring the fans' interest back, and I just think that uh, we have to pay a little more attention to the fans.
2: Buck, back to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, do you imagine the uh, Strowmans, uh, the Sanchezes, the Giles will be traded uh, this year knowing that uh, you guys are in a rebuild? These are still two of the three are still young pitchers, but they could probably bring back some cachet for Toronto moving forward.
3: Well, Bruce, I think the biggest thing is right now the probably the most uh, marketable commodity the Blue Jays have is Ken Giles. Uh, he's thrown as well as he's ever thrown and everybody needs uh closers and of course you look across town to the cubs with right. Brandon borrow out they could really use a guy like Ken Giles. and um you know i know clubs have uh, inquired about his availability but with stroman and sanchez you know they're not pitching as well as they have in the past so i don't know how strong their market is as we speak but With Giles, I think everybody's got their eye on him. He's really thrown the ball well. He has made some adjustments. In the past, he always had trouble pitching in non-save situations. That's no longer the case. He's got a scoreless inning streak going right now. His slider is tremendous. He's thrown 100 miles an hour. And I think many teams, independent races, are knocking on the Blue Jays' door just seeing how they can pry Giles away from the Jays.
2: Can can you uh, see a team looking at Sanchez saying, you know what, this is an electric arm. He's had trouble with broken nails and all kinds of blisters. We're gonna we're gonna change him, and we're gonna make him into our closer.
3: Yeah, I think that's a very possible, a very strong possibility. I think the Blue Jays are probably even entertaining that. You'll remember he first came up. He worked in the bullpen and pitched very well in the postseason right. for them, working out of the bullpen. So. That's probably a possibility. I mean, he continues to have these finger issues, and you would think if uh, his outings are going to be limited to one inning and 12 to 15 pitches, he might be able to get through with that and pitch four or five times a week. So I'm sure that the Blue Jays are even exploring that possibility with him here with the Jays. Uh,
1: Buck Martinez is our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to look at. You've got... Randall Gritchick and uh, some players of consequence. What, what What's the turnaround time here for the Blue Jays? What, what do they think as an organization is when they get to contend again?
3: Well, I think it's going to take a little bit longer than anybody expected because we've had some setbacks. And uh, we've got a Chicago area kid that came up last year in Ryan Barucky who pitched very well over 17 starts. But he had elbow problems in the spring, and we haven't seen him since. And, um, you know, he was going to be a big part of this rotation. And then, of course, we lost – Matt Shoemaker, who was one of the best pitchers in the game, he's done for the season. We most recently lost Clay Buckles. So the injuries have knocked them back a little bit. But the next wave of players after Guerrero includes um, Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette and Nate Pearson and Kevin Smith. And there's a wave of younger players at AA and AAA. They're going to have an impact on this team probably before the end of this season and certainly by next year. So I I think what you need, and and the thing that people don't understand is when you have a turnaround in a and a rebuilding, if you will. It takes the players about 1,500 at-bats before you really understand what you have. So that covers three years, and I think uh, it's going to be that type of time frame before the Blue Jays really have a contending ball club together and that they can complement those homegrown players with free agent purchases, and that's when you start to get contentious again.
2: Buck, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, you know, It's been a great friendship for me, and I know Matt appreciates your time and expertise as well. Thanks uh, for joining us and Inside the Clubhouse. We'll see you out at the ballpark.
3: All right. Thanks for having me. You guys have a great day.
2: All right, Buck. Buck Martinez, uh, a guy that is not afraid to tell you exactly <laughs> what he thinks. There's and a, yeah. he also helped us confirm that the Toronto Blue Jays have in the Chicago Cubs have inquired to the to to the people with the Toronto Blue Jays about Ken Giles and his availability.
1: Yeah, and Marcus Stroman is a very interesting guy, um, and on a number of levels. And find yourself thinking about who would be the best, free, you know, pitching fit for to veteran to add for the South Side. I've had Stroman in the back of my mind as I'm thinking about that, but yeah. there's. There's issues there going
2: on. Yeah, so a lot of good stuff with Buck. We'll continue on with uh, Cubs and Sox talk. Your call's at 312-644-6767.
1: Bruce, I'm going to write 10,000 words on everything that Buck Martinez said in his answer about what's wrong with the game because there was like nine things, a couple of which I agreed with and some of which I disagreed with vehemently.
2: Okay, well, great. I mean, you know, take off, buddy. Take off.
1: (laughs) To the great white north. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. The bottom of the hour on 670. The score was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Don't miss your chance to watch Big Ten football at Ryan Field this fall. As the number 17 Northwestern Wildcats host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale now at nusports.com. And was brought to you by Lakeside Bank. Shopping for a mortgage and maybe trusting hundreds of thousands of dollars to an online firm? Really? Use Lakeside Bank. Your own Lakeside Mortgage Banker will be with you every step of the way when it comes to a mortgage. Personal is best. Lakeside Bank. It's about time. It's inside the clubhouse on six seventy. The score.
2: I can't wait for your Buck Martinez a rebuttal story. I'll be looking forward to it. Six seventy. The score. <laughs> Buck is a uh, you know a, a great broadcaster, opinionated guy. Uh, he doesn't care if you agree with all of the things that he said. He oh no, ju- he'll just tell you what he thinks yeah. at this point. Uh, I know that uh, metrically, you know, the strike zone is being analyzed and brought up to date by using machines. I'm not I'm not going to be a machine guy as far as using it at the major league level, but it's it's something they're certainly looking at at this point. Yeah,
1: they're starting at Jason Stark has a piece in The Athletic. It's in the Atlantic League right now. They're working. They've got the technology in place, and they're testing it to make sure the umpires can get the communication that, okay, that is a strike, and then they call it a strike. So the umpire still is there. A, he's yeah. just—they are given the information, and then they call it and announce it. And as soon as they're comfortable with the way that's doing it, within two or three weeks, you will see it enacted. Right now, it's still umpires. There's a great blues
2: song. It's called "The Hesitation Blues." Uh, you'll probably tell have me heard how it. long do I have to yeah. wait? I know Hot Tuna's uh, version. That—that's what I want to know. How long do I have to wait for the umpire to react to the what the machine tells him? Does it? Does it? Uh, is he connected to that machine? Does it vibrate? Uh, you know, against his. Uh, upper neck area so he knows, strike, ball. That's what they're um, working out right yeah, now. Sad. Go to
1: New Jersey and check it out in the Atlantic Are you, are you looking forward to that? Um, there's a level of consistency there that uh, I think would be very beneficial to have that consistency. I will miss, and, and I'd be fine. Like I'm not campaigning for it because I like the arguing with an umpire. I, think, I enjoy that. I think they're pretty good. A lot of them are.
2: I think. I think you got about a 93% you know, uh, accurate uh, tone there.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, if they fixed the system so that Angel Hernandez just wasn't allowed to do it oh, anymore. The, the, yeah,
2: that's <laughs>
1: it. No, I'm serious. Like, like, like fix the system. That's so a different guys, issue. Well, but, but, you know, guys who suck should not be allowed to do okay, it. Okay,
2: I'm with you there. I'm 100% with you there. Mm-hmm. In other words, just because you've been an umpire for five years, you don't automatically stay an umpire.
1: Well, well uh, how about this? Just because everybody gets to rotate and do home plate like, everybody gets their chance. If you suck,
2: you don't get to rotate. Okay, that's fine, too. Yeah, you let's know, do that. For the first uh, 40 years, from 1900 to 1942 or so, you know, in the National League, Bill Clem umpired all the the games at home. He umpired, he was permanent mm-hmm. home-played umpire. Well,
1: I think that, that'd that be wise to
2: identify
1: the best 15 to 20 Home plate umps I, you know and just what? have them be the guys that do it.
2: I, I think that's a great idea. You know, if your expertise uh, is the basis, leave you there. Yeah. If it's behind home plate and you're a 98% to 100% guy. Man, that'd be fun too you could
1: follow along, and guys would be like, uh, you know, hoping that I'm going to get to be behind the plate. I, I'm working on my stuff.
2: I, I'm all good with that. that that's a great suggestion.
1: Six seventy. The score is where you are. It's Crawley in Wrigleyville. Crawley, I saw you on Beer Money the other night in a uh, in a rain delay on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm like, I know that guy.
2: I don't think you did very well, well though.
0: I, I, I tried a, a five-part David DeJesus question for the hundred-dollar question.
2: Yeah, you know what? I saw that, and I, and <laughs> I saw you there, and I saw. I, I was looking up. I was what? I was covering the the Sox game, and I said. Wow. Yeah. First of all, I feel bad for you because a five-part David De Jesus that question right. should that never right. be asked. Yeah.
1: I felt bad for right. uh, for Luke Stuckmeyer having to talk to you. But go ahead, Crowley. What do you got?
0: Come, come on, man. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, when you were talking about the money owed to Zobris and if he doesn't come back, mm-hmm. you said it was roughly, what, 8 to $9 million?
2: $8.6 million today, yes.
0: Right. So if you take a look at Anthony Rendon of the Nationals at third base, He's on the final year of his contract. And I want to say he roughly, he's going to make $18 million this year. I don't know what the pro rate on that is right now.
2: Right. It's about but, a it's you, about three quarters of, of what that is.
0: Right. So imagine, if you will, and just kind of bear with my idea, like just my thoughts here. When you talk about Rendon, boy, if you could offer some sort of package, if that money became available, because I know money's been tight this year, but if that money became available, if you could say to them, okay, we'll give you Schwarber and, say, Russell or – Shoeburn, Happer, some sort of something. Would that be? Wouldn't that be just amazing? Because then you could have against lefties, you could have Bryant leading off, and then you can go with Rizzo, Baez, Rendon, or if you got a uh, righty that's leading off, you got Rizzo because both uh, Bryant and Rizzo are both high on base guys. You could have Rizzo, the greatest leadoff man of all time, followed by Bryant, followed by (laughs) by Baez. It's a thought.
2: You know, it's an interesting thought. I don't know if you have enough to get Rendon, even with the fact that he's a a one-year left guy. The consensus, Matt and Crowley, and thanks for your call, by the way, is that uh, they're going to re-sign Rendon and that it's going to be a long-term, you know, one hundred fifty million, $200 million deal.
1: It's nice that they've got Soto and Robles and a couple other guys young who will be coming up, but you can't just keep letting every star go. No, the no,
2: but but uh, I think they'll 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 retain him. But it's a good idea. Let's keep moving. This is Chris and
1: Edison on the score. Hello, Chris. Hey, uh, uh, love your show, guys. Uh,
0: thanks for taking my call.
1: You got it. Thank uh, you.
0: Just kind of building on what Crowley had asked, um, and not to focus on Silver's main issue, um, but just more of a hypothetical, and um, you know, just kind of interested in your opinion as far as you know, if you were to retire. You know, I keep thinking of a player in the mold of, like, a Randall Simon. Um, are there any players out there? I mean, assuming that Zilberts wasn't going to play day-to-day anyway, but to me, there's no player I'd rather have at bat for that clutch moment than Zilber's. Um Are right. there any players out there that you can think of that would kind of fit that mold?
2: Well, I, I like, you know, if you're asking me, I like, uh, like Chew with Texas, okay? He's an on-base percentage guy. Uh, he's a left-handed bat. Uh, to me, uh, he's probably going to be very available, Matt. Uh, Shinsu Chu. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the type of play I'd like. Uh, you need a little more production from the outfield. Uh, certainly, Schwarber's come around in the last few days. But uh, if you look at the overall production of the outfield, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and trying to project it, uh, it's it's not what you want. Okay,
1: that, that Mark Zagunis roster spot is available right. for somebody. I, I mean, like you that.
2: you have the Bulls carrying them. You have you have Bryant. You have you have, um, Baez. You have Rizzo. You have Contreras. Those are the guys that are carrying you. But uh, you're going to need more run production from your outfield, either run scoring mm-hmm. or run production as far as runs driven in.
1: This, uh, this text just says, if you get regular home plate umps, you're going to need umpire independent pitching stat, like fielder independent That's pitching. Fine. You're going to need a UIP. You know what? You already think about that. You already go into a game and say, all right, which ump is this? And there are stats out there. There are, there are ratings out there about where where you're going to get strikes and where you're not. This is Nick in Genoa on the score. Nick, what's up? What's going on, guys? Hey, man. Having
2: fun. Talking ball.
3: So, like, I, I get it, like, everyone wants to go to, like, a more, I don't know, mainstream umpiring or like that, but you do this machine thing and all the emotion of the game is gone. Like, your managers can't get your the dugout hyped up by getting kicked out. And all right, it's
2: almost gone already, you know, because it, of it, replay. But,
3: yeah, it, it is. But, I mean, I mean, you get – I mean, look at Madden. I mean, he gets bright red and purple when he's fighting. You know, it's like – By by having someone in the
2: sky saying "Oh, that was a strike." No, yeah, I I I agree with you to a large extent. Taking some of that fine emotion out of the game and the reaction to actions uh, would uh, leave the game a little bit more sterile.
1: I think there's opportunity for emotions in
2: some other places.
1: Uh, I do Um, at home um home works yeah. here on the radio works as you and i have been the last couple hours bruce levine there's that
2: nice place in new york called scores that's a good place to go oh boy
1: uh pga championship coverage like i heard earlier on the golf show is brought to you by the grand geneva resort and spa home of the brute and the highlands championship golf courses visit grand com. we've got to step aside and make way for we, steve rose and do, and you yeah, it's true. Whatever, right. whatever. Jamoke is going to join. People think we start
2: with Zach Wither's doing a, a great job every week for us. We thank uh, Todd Steverson of the Chicago White Sox. Buck Martinez, the great voice of the Blue Jays. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, six seventy the is I uh, write White Sox Cubs every day. Have a great week, Matt. I will catch you next week and tomorrow. You have your own great show, Hit and Run, and you have Bob
1: Vorwald, director of production for WGN-TV, to talk about Cubs and White Sox television broadcasts from that angle. That'll be on Hit and Run tomorrow morning. He's Bruce Levine. and Matt Spiegel. Rosenblum is next with me on The Score.